Welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. We are your hosts, Tyson Day and Daniel Lenardi. Our podcast is designed to give you fresh perspectives and educational insights to make sure you thrive in every moment. Regularly, we are joined by thought leaders, life learners, and generally amazing humans who bring an approach just like us, casual, relaxed, and curious. Thanks for joining us for another episode. In this discussion, we sit down with Vinnie Petrilli and talk about life as a creative, focusing on video and filmmaking. Vinny is the founder and director of Third Space Studios. Vinny shares his insights and experience on his craft and why he loves what he does. We highly recommend this episode for any individual who would love to work in the creative film and or TV space. His insights are truly valuable and worth the listen. Hope you enjoy and please leave a review or share if you know someone who is considering a career as a creative. Thanks so much. Arrive and Thrive would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders, leaders past, present and emerging. Danny, he's, he's back um, for more, but it was probably because of my mistake. Um, Vinny Petrelli, welcome back to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. Take two. How are you going, buddy? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. How are you guys? Yeah, we're good, man. Stoked we're talking to you on a Wednesday evening. Um, listeners, when we first met Vinny, uh, I was so pumped because it was one of our first face-to-face um, potties after lockdown and all this type of thing. And I got too carried away and didn't actually get to keep any of the audio that we recorded. <laughs> so we brought him back. And Vin, you're the, um, the founder of Third Space Studios, man. I am, I am. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Third Space Studios is my baby. It's a Melbourne-based video production company and we specialise in uh, creating video content that helps businesses connect with their consumers through emotive storytelling. So it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, we get to the heart of why you do what you do, not just what you do. And I think storytelling through video is such a powerful avenue to put yourself out there and strip the layers back and people get to see who you truly are and and, uh, the service that you provide and and your passion. So um, I think that that really resonates with people. Mm. Now, Dan, you love telling stories, man, and you love a good story. Um, You must be pretty pumped um, to unpack this, hey? Yeah, it's like when we had a wine and a beer and we recorded this face-to-face, but you forgot to record it. <laughs> or you recorded it, but it didn't work. But now it really resonates with me, the storytelling piece as well. And I use it a lot in my work as a career counsellor. Um, and I think humans relate to it. So I'm excited to get into that a bit later. Mm. So, so, Vin, take us back to how it all started, mate. You, you finished high school and you went to TAFE? Yeah, that's right. Well, sort of long before that as well, my, my passion for, you know, film and, and, and storytelling sort of started from a young age. So my mum was actually telling me the other day how before I could even write, I would, you know, recite stories to her and she'd write them down for me. And then later in life, she had one of those um, big VHS uh, camcorders and and I'd handwrite scripts and have my mates come over. She'd be filming it for us. And uh, then we'd take the movie to the class and show the class um, our little production. So yeah, from a young age, I sort of had that, that passion for, for, for storytelling, for script writing, uh, for film and TV. Later down the track, I was able to explore that more in, um, in high school uh, through media studies, which was film and photography. So I really sort of felt that that was, that was what I wanted to do. I knew 
then and there that that was my path. I ended up going to Box Hill TAFE and um, there I studied broadcast TV. It was a one-year course. We had a little studio and we got to sort of um, do little productions in a live broadcast environment. And yeah, I couldn't recommend that course more because it kind of just threw us in the deep end in a really fun environment. We got to learn the ropes through broadcast professionals. And um, through that course, I got a, a, a placement, a work placement at Channel 7 for the news. And I, I was one of four that got picked for that placement. And I, yeah, was able to, to do that at Channel 7. And through that, I got a bit of casual work and uh, eventually evolved into a career in TV. And, um, and that sort of sparked my journey. Did you get to meet um, Peter Mitchell, Vin? Oh, I saw him about, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you've, you were at Channel 7 for a couple of years. And then where did, you, where did your career take you from there? Did, like, did you know that you always wanted to run your own show? Uh, so I was at Channel 7 for a few years um, in news, but I was doing sort of more media management roles. I wasn't sort of um, out filming. I then moved to London. Um, London was more for fun, not for, for work. I was in my early 20s then. Um, and that was like, that was amazing as well. I had some of the best times and met some of the best people and, and also got to work in broadcast there. Like I'd started dabbling in filming and editing. I thought, you know, maybe when I get home from London, I could give it a crack and um, on a bit of a freelance basis and um, got back from London, got a bit of work um, at Channel 10 for the project. And then on the side, I was doing my own thing. Um, just, I was only working at Channel 10 for a couple of, couple of days a week. Um, and then on the side, I thought I'd use those extra days to... To, to try and get some freelance work in the filming and editing space and producing space. And I had a couple of people I'd worked with in the past. It helped, it did help to have those contacts in television and in media. And they sort of knew that I'd dabbled in that field. And um, they were like, oh, hey, we need someone to, to do this or to do that. Um, are you free? And then you'd sort of, it sort of snowballs from there. And like even earlier, early on when I first started filming and editing, I'd, I'd be doing jobs for free for, you know, friends or just just filming and having fun and, you know, mucking about and then kind of just created a, you know, a, a Facebook page to post all my work and it was nothing more than a platform to post my work on so people could see that I was doing that sort of stuff. I had no intention of it actually becoming a business um, and then all of a sudden it was kind of like I had so much work that I didn't renew my contract at Channel 10 and I, I kept sort of doing my own thing. And I, I, it's a bit of a laugh sometimes thinking that I'm running my own business, but you do pinch yourself and it's like, wow, I'm actually doing this. It's an amazing feeling and I'm very grateful. Dude, just curious, because I, I know when I speak to a lot of young people who are creatives and they, they're kind of, they feel, I, I always sense that there's a bit of intimidation to put your work out there like once you've created something. Um, can you provide any insights from your own journey around when you first posted like a video or you first like showed some of your work? Like, was there anything that you told yourself to like just push yourself to, to put it out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose you're constantly going to be growing and learning. And um, I look back at work that I did, you know, years ago and I'm like, I'd never let it see the light of day now. 
but you know that's just the part of your process and your learning and i think we we're we're our own worst critics as well like it doesn't matter what job you're in you're constantly critiquing your own work or critiquing you know the way that you go about things or do things and but the, the the beauty of that is we can always get better like i've i've been working on a project for a couple of years with one of my mates a bit of a passion project documentary about how he struggled with mental health in the past and because we've been working on it for so long like i can even see throughout this project how my skill sets changed and how my styles changed so i think it evolved so rapidly and but i think that's the beauty of it like we can always get better so i think you've got to start somewhere and you know someone's going to see your work and be like that's really good and 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 again it's it's all subjective too like everyone's got different style everyone's got different tastes so you're always going to be able to provide something for someone and you've got to be open to upskilling and and learning because you're always going to be getting better what are some of the biggest challenges you've found vin around like transitioning to running your own business and now running your own business at a bit more scale i suppose number one is taking yourself seriously i still think of myself as not really an adult <laughs> so, <laughs> so like i think that's number one like just learning to take yourself seriously and being like you're you're in control you're in charge you're the professional in the early days i'd I'd be like to the client, you know, oh, and what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And that's all well and good. But sometimes you, you learn to take charge yourself. So that's a process because I think that comes down to believing in yourself and that takes time. But also things like invoicing and, and quoting and knowing your worth and doing your own tax and taking out you know, tax out of your account and putting it aside so you don't spend it because come tax time, the government's going to be asking for your money. And like, you don't, no one teaches you that stuff in school. Mm. So I think it's so important to reach out to, to mentors if you've got them. If you, you know, some people aren't lucky to have mentors in the business space, but if you don't, I think reach out to people that are in that space. There's a lot of like online tutorials and, you know, um, webinars and stuff like that. Cause like a lot of this stuff, they don't teach you in school. You learn it as you go and you make mistakes and you, you learn from your mistakes, but that's just all part of it. And, um, you learn that as you go and you learn what your worth is. The other question I wanted to ask is like, when you came back from London after a couple of years and you said you got a couple of days work at the project at channel 10, can you talk the listeners through like, how did you set yourself up? for that to be able to just come back get a role because obviously it sounds like it was pretty seamless but i'm sure you put in some groundwork well again that was because i'd worked in broadcast prior to that um i didn't i did know someone that worked there who i used to work with at channel seven because it's a, it is a small industry and it definitely helps to know someone um but not everyone obviously has that luxury or that you know um so i just sort of reached out and said i was back in town if there's any casual work going and it sort of happened like that so i was pretty lucky that that, that did happen because at that time i was flat broke um so so yeah i was able to get that couple of days a week to sort of just have a a bit of an income whilst living at my parents house so that helped as well mm. and then yeah i suppose like yeah if 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 people are wanting to sort of start their own business and get out there, 
um, I would recommend having something part-time. Like it is obviously, you know, again, we don't always have that luxury, but to have, you do need money to live, obviously, and you do need money to fund your passion. So just having something, some sort of income, and then if it means also living at your parents' house as well at the time or, or living with a friend with cheap rent or something like, like do those hard yards and hustle then and a couple of days a week and then those other days just put all your focus and drive into that passion of yours. Yeah, it's a great point. Finn, can you, can you share, mate, from your perspective, the like following your passion in your, with your career? Because I think, again, like a lot of younger people may have a real passion for creative pursuits. At what point for you did you realise that this, this was something I could turn into a profession instead of just a, a hobby or, or an interest or, or a side hustle even? Well, sort of, I, I was at Channel 7 on and off, for, well, casually, working casually on and off for almost six years before I went overseas. So I started there literally like I was a baby. I was 19 just out of TAFE and high school and TAFE. And um, like, I still didn't know where I wanted to go, which, which avenue I wanted to go down in that industry. I knew I wanted to be in that industry, but it took me quite a few years to sort of establish myself and believe that I could do this. Um, so yeah, I, I reckon it wasn't until... I was about, you know, 27 when I, when I did come back from London and I was like, I do want to go this way. And I, I think it also does come down to growing up a bit too. And in this day and age, people are changing professions all the time. You might study something for six years and then do something completely different. And that's fine. I think, um, I think it's just about exploring things and being open and not putting too much pressure on yourself. We don't have to do one thing anymore. Like, Go and get five degrees if you want or get none. Some of the most successful people I know dropped out of school in year 10. So it's like, it, there's no rule book. Do what you want, follow your heart. It will fall into place because you'll find something that's right for you. And if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right for you. Like you'll move to something else and you'll, but just keep an open mind and don't put too much pressure on yourself to go one way. Cause like the world is your oyster. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> What a motivational speech. I love it. I know. You're, you're better online than face-to-face. -face. <laughs> do, do you think London played any part in you coming back with that maybe extra clarity or a little bit more of a zest for life to actually go, well, I'm going to go for this. I'm sort of off the rat race now. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Like, I, you can't not have an experience like that. Like, I lived there for two years and you can't walk away from an experience like that and not have it change you. Like, I feel like I did it at a perfect time. It was my mid twenties and I got back 27 and I was definitely ready. Like I felt ready to settle down in my career and take on like the world almost. I got a lot of things out of my system and I wanted to, I was ready to, you know, sort of chase my dream a bit. And like, I think it's important to play is just as important as work. Like you need, need to do that to be present in your working life. So yeah, like I think it definitely helped. And, and I did, I did uh, also do a bit of work in media there as well, but yeah, I, I, I felt more ready when I got home for sure. You know, I've got more of a, uh, a technical question, buddy. Like 
if someone's wanting to, I always see, um, you know, cameras or like photography equipment, video equipment, it's always seems so expensive. Um, <laughs> like, can you talk through your process around getting gear and, and then also going, okay, is that something I really need as a part of my project or, um, yeah, can you just run us through your thinking on that? Because I know for me personally, if I was like, yeah, I'm going to be, become a, a documentary filmmaker, I'd be like, I've got to get the best camera and I yeah. may not even know how to use half the functions. Yeah. So can you, can you talk us through that a bit? Well, that's, yeah, and that's a good point because you can have the best camera in the world, but if you don't know how to use it, it's pretty useless. Um, yeah, like equipment is so expensive and it's, it's, um, it's constantly, like things are constantly upgrading, so it's quite daunting. It's like how, how do you know what to get when like you've done all this research and you buy something, invest your money and your time into it, and then there's an upgrade after that. And it's like, and you know, equipments, you've got to then learn how to use it. So it is a bit overwhelming, but I've basically built up a kit over time, over like 10 years, pretty much. Um, and you do, you start basic, you start with what you need, you know, a decent camera, a couple of good lenses, some lights, light, lighting and sound is just as important as picture. Um, and then you build up to it, but something that like, Something that I yeah I am guilty of is you know spending on spending money on things that I thought I need and I really don't and then, you know you'll buy an an awesome gimbal and all these stabilizers and then I end up when push comes to shove I'll just go handheld because that was the scenario you don't need everything that you think you need and one thing I can highly recommend that now I'm finally doing is is um renting equipment like re and do your research as well it's you know, I, I have, I've gone and bought stuff without doing research and, you know, made mistakes in that. And then, you know, got something stupid off eBay and it wasn't what I thought it was. And that was in the early days, but yeah, I, research is, is really important and make sure it's right for you. Watch YouTube reviews, you know, cause there is so much out there. And, and again, some people, it's going to be good for some people and not others. It depends what you want as a filmmaker. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in a piece of equipment, hire it out for a, a day or a week and, and have a play with it. And you might think, oh, no, nah, it's not what I thought. So rather than spend, you know, a couple of thousand on something, you spend a couple of hundred hiring it out for a week and then and you get a feel for it. And you're like, that's awesome. I'm going to invest in it. And then other, sometimes you don't need to buy it. You just, um, you just hire it out because some, some pieces of equipment you use twice a year other pieces of equipment you use every day. So invest in the stuff that you need and, and I'd, so I'd recommend to rent out the stuff that you want or you think you need and, you know, all just as you need it. Yeah. Good advice, man. And, and mate, what can you, can you take us through like a typical day in your business or like maybe a typical week? So my understanding um, is very limited of, of, being a videographer or, or creative um, person who deals with video, but I assume it's like shooting and then editing, but, but there probably also is like a large percentage of like project management and meeting with the client a lot. Can you run us through that? Yeah. So like one thing I love about what I do is every day is different. I work in a little shared creative space in Collingwood, which is awesome. Um, and I work alongside other creative businesses and um yeah, they've become some of my really, really good friends. And we, 
we work together collaboratively as well. And it's just really nice to have that, that office sort of feel and that camaraderie because being a sole trader, it can become lonely. So to have that office space to go into and have the camaraderie of a team and we all get along like a house on fire, like it's really nice to have that. So yeah, there's no real typical day. I'll be in the office editing or I'll be out on a shoot. You know, I could be sort of interstate shooting or in Melbourne. This morning I was doing some drone, some drone footage of the city skyline in Melbourne. And, you know, then other days I'm out, you know, as you said, meeting with a client and sort of breaking down the project and doing more of the producing. And, and then, yeah, half your day can be taken up just liaising with clients back and forth. So yeah, every day is, is different, but um, it's it, it, what I love about it is you do get to work with so many different people and so many different businesses and, and you learn something from them and you take a piece, something away from what they've told you about their story. So, so yeah, I, 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 I get something out of sort of every, every shoot that I have by hearing those stories and that comes back to that storytelling. Mm. Vinny, you froth storytelling. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you mentioned when you were a kid that you were just into it. Yeah. So maybe you were just born like that. But like on reflection now, what what is it and why do you think you sort of love that storytelling piece? Because even what you just said then about meeting other people, it clearly shines through how like keen you are to hear other people's stories in your day to day. Well, I think um, hearing people's stories is so impactful because people are seeing you and people are hearing you. If you just peel back a few of those layers and show your vulnerability, people can resonate with that. And I think, especially in this day and age, you know, everything with COVID, um, I think people have been more and more open about topics like mental health and um, expressing that they're not okay and it's okay to not be okay. So even people just posting videos about their their state of mind, you know, you don't know who that's going to reach. So if people aren't being open themselves about things that they're struggling with, they might just see something online where someone's going through a similar thing and they think, oh, like I'm not alone. So I think that's something I really love about storytelling because it, it connects people. And that's why I thought, why not turn my whole business model into that and have that mission, like connecting businesses with their consumers through storytelling by just peeling back some layers and being like, we love what we do. We're passionate about what we do. This is why we do it. And, um, and then people will be like, yeah, I want to invest my, my time into this business because they actually care. Yeah. Do you ever play a part when you're doing a video project with a client? Do you ever play a part in consulting them on how to peel back the layers? Um, I, I do to an extent, but really, like I say this a lot, the content writes itself. I can assist in the way that the story is structured in terms of, you know, creating questions for the talent. Um, in their interview and like getting certain points or prompting certain things out of them. Um, so I can play a certain point in that pre-production, but I think the more comfortable they are, the more they open up and it all just sort of comes together. So the story really writes itself based on the interview. So being organic and authentic is like, is the main thing because people can see through bullshit. And if, you know, if you're authentic and you're showing your authentic self, people are going to resonate with that. 
Mm, I love that. I feel like creatives, when they are truly authentic to their creative pursuit, it really shows in their work. I mm. feel. Um, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm just kind of clutching like at words. Kind of, <laughs> talking about like musicians or film producers or yeah. like Vinny's producing. So if he's actually passionate about what he's producing, and it then shows through. Yeah, hundred percent. He's filming a being themselves and that's how they are and mm. they're probably drawn to your work as well Vinny, because of your mission is so clearly defined as that yeah and it goes for any profession like i think people people don't buy you know goods and services they buy people and you know if if if, if you're authentic people see that and they want to invest their time in you and i mm. think because they people want to align with people doing good things mm. What's the biggest challenge for you when it comes to actually putting a video together and making sure that it does hit the mark? Yeah, good question. Um, Cause obviously your vision may not necessarily be the same as the client. So I think just having an understanding and a clear brief is important at the start, meeting with the client, finding out exactly what they want, having a clear brief from them, and that doesn't happen all the time, but you work through it, you're gonna have feedback because you've gotta make sure you tick all their boxes, that the things align with their business and their mission. So it's all like collaboration, I suppose. Um, just, yeah, but having a clear brief from the beginning, from the client, and then making sure you're both on the same page is, is key. If you can throw your creative spin on it after that, it's even better. Vin, mate, we ask all of our guests on the podcast if they've got a book or, you know, a documentary or a movie that has had a huge impact on their life. And I, given the career that you're in, I'd love to ask you two-part question. Like, have you got a book that you'd like to share with our listeners that has had a huge impact on your life and also a movie or a film or a director? Um, yeah, sure. So I haven't read that much recently, but during COVID, I actually read this this little book that my mate gave to me. I work with this guy and his mate wrote it. It's called, he's a copywriter, his mate. It's called Copy Wrong to Copywriter um, by Tate Ishka. And um, it's basically just about how to write your copy for your business. So it sort of just focuses on defining your mission keeping it short, sharp, and simple. Just tell people exactly what you do. There's no point in being fluffy. So yeah, I really, really took a lot from that. And that sort of helped me because that was when I was in the process of rebranding my business. So that sort of helped me define a lot of things um, for my mission. And um, just to sort of cut, cut the fluffiness out and just go straight to the point. And yeah, with, uh, with film, I think I'm a bit of a Tarantino guy. I love... Uh, Bit of I love his style of film, not the goriness part, but just like the cinematic style, the, the in-depth storytelling where there's a lot of different narratives at play. Uh, another series actually that I got, got into in lockdown was Peaky Blinders. Um, don't know if you've seen that, but I absolutely love that. That, that, was, that was so well produced and, and um, just everything about it was awesome. So highly recommend that series. And that was my go-to in lockdown. So <laughs> dude, would you ever want to shoot like a series or like a movie? Like, have you got like a bit of a vision for where third space will go? Well, my favorite style of film is documentary. 
And um, I've started to align with organizations and people who are creating social impact. So I'm already working on a couple of short films in the mental health space with my mate, which is the film I touched on earlier. And I'm in the process of creating a video series with the Stop One Punch Can Kill campaign, which is hopefully going to be implemented across the education and the health system later this year. So I definitely want to continue to grow in that documentary space that tell real stories. Super exciting. I've got one more question for you. What's the, if you can bring it down to like just a moment, what's like that moment for you in your day-to-day work or when you're doing a production where you're just like, full of joy and you're like yeah this is it i love what i'm doing um i think it's when i align with people who have a similar vision at the moment i'm working on a project with the lighthouse foundation who do a lot of work in youth homelessness and um family violence and stuff like that and they're doing some incredible work and um i'm collaborating with a really good mate of mine and he's he's on a a a similar journey to what i was on a few years ago where he's starting to get out there and do more of his own thing. And he's like an absolute gun at lighting and photography and all these things. And I'm into the storytelling side. So we just really complement each other's skills. And it's been like a joy to work together on a project like this because we're both doing what we love. And together we're like, we're like a powerhouse together because we're complementing each other's skills. And, you know, I think that really says everything about how important collaboration is because you can't do everything and to have someone else there as well to to bounce off is amazing and yeah we've had a couple of moments recently where we're like this is great we're doing what we love and we're doing it with people that we love so yeah i feel blessed that i'm able to have those moments that's awesome thanks for sharing man that sounds really cool Cheers. now buddy how can listeners get in contact with you and and also see the wonderful work that you're doing with third space studios uh, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook, thirdspacestudios.au and uh, my website's thirdspacestudios.com.au. Yeah, uh, flick me a message or you can email me, vinny, V-I-N-N-I-E at thirdspacestudios.com.au. Always up for a chat. Love it. And always up to tell the story correctly. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. Love it, man. Love it. Well, bro, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. No worries. Did we record this time? Yeah, yeah we did. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Nah, thanks for having me, boys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Arrive and Thrive podcast, please let us know by sharing it with a connection and leaving a review. We hope that through this podcast, even more people can design a career and life that they love and are proud of. See you soon.